Welcome to the latest episode of Motos and Friends, a weekly podcast brought to you by the editorial team at Ultimate Motorcycling Magazine. This week, I'm your host, Arthur Coldwells, and I have a couple of newly launched motorcycles that we recently rode. These two machines are interesting, not only for all the usual reasons, but because each one is produced by an American motorcycle manufacturer, Harley-Davidson and Indian, each of whom stepped out of their usual big cruiser comfort zone and went completely off-piste. The Harley is the much-awaited Pan America adventure bike, and the Indian is the almost as eagerly awaited all-new FTR 1200 upright sport bike. Apparently it's cool to spread your wings a little. <laughs> It'll be interesting to see if the manufacturers are indeed capable of producing something decent that is outside their usual comfort zone. The first segment chat is with Jess McKinley. He's a national pro-level off-road racer and rider and we are lucky enough to have him on staff. Actually, he's been with us since day one. He got to ride the Harley-Davidson. The second chat is with website editor Ron Lieback. Ron has been on staff for well over 10 years. Primarily a road and racetrack rider, Ron also loves adventure riding and actually coaches classes on that back in his native Pennsylvania. Ron got to try out the Indian. So let's get to it. I hope you enjoy this episode. I really appreciate you taking the time just to chat. The Harley-Davidson Pan America 1250? 1250, yeah. This thing is, is long awaited. I mean, I guess let's just get straight to the point. Is this a home run or, or is it a near miss? <laughs> you know what? I, so it's, I went into this thinking like Harley-Davidson, we now live in a world of deep fakes, right? So everything that we see, you know, it's like you're not sure if it's real or not. So does it look uh, amazing to me? Yes. I mean, I love the road glide. I love that look. No other bike has that look. They incorporated that into an adventure model. The first thing I thought of was Harley Davidson. I think of nostalgia. I don't really think of performance. So I think my expectations were pretty low. <laughs> secondly, yeah, secondly, um, I'm thinking, you know, the advent, the big adventure riding space. I mean, that that was really 10 years ago. So are they kind of late to the game? Because, you know, now it's it's really kind of diversified into smaller displacement and rally style bikes. And uh, at the same time, you know, adventure bikes have almost become the new sport touring bike, sure. you know, because they kind of do anything on it. So I went in with kind of mixed, uh, you know, mixed expectations. Um, but to answer the, the, big, the big question, did they hit a home run on their very first pitch? Yes, they did. Um, you know, I rode the tar out of that bike for, you know, 300 plus miles across the desert and they did a fantastic job. And they actually incorporated a few killer apps that no other bikes have. That's what really, really surprised me. Wow. So Holly Davidson are in the high tech era then? They are in the high tech era. So it was, uh, it was interesting going through the presentation with the engineers because they're talking about how they created this you know, high-tech engine and how, you know, they're really reducing weight and they're using all of these high-tech, you know, CAD programs and, and, you know, engineering methods to make it. And from my perspective, it's like, yeah, that's what you do now. <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do. Yeah. So is it, is this a, an entirely new engine or have they sort of repurposed a, a, 
one of their others? It's an entirely new engine. They call it the Revolution Max. But, um, you know, over a couple of drinks with one of the engineers, he said, this really isn't a surprise. We know this. The bore and stroke is the exact same bore and stroke from the V-Rod. Um, we know how to make performance out of this sizing. It doesn't share a single part with the V-Rod, but from a physics perspective, we know how to make horsepower. So it's not entirely from left field, but it's the first time that they've put this package together in liquid cooling with variable valve timing and the performance uh, specs that they have. This is new for Harley-Davidson. And, you know, they're pretty tight-lipped and whether this is going to be shared across any other, you know, platforms. That was, that was going to be my next question. Okay, so where's the upright sport bike and, you know, yeah. Wow. It's got to be someplace. And you think like, where's the 800cc model? Like where's right. going to be, you know, the smaller version? Right. They're not saying anything now. Of course, um, of course. But they I, you know, so, one would So this is a 1250. So it's it's really in the ballpark with the KTM and the, the BMW GS and... Yep. Yeah. So the large KTM, the BMW GS, and the Triumph. I think that you know all of these large, you know, the 1200 uh, Triumph and uh, 1250 BMW and the 1290 KTM, all this large, you know, travel enduro, if you will, market. Not the smaller market, which is kind of more, I think, on the rally side, if you will. You know, a little bit more agile or nimble off-road bikes. Interesting. So, wow. So obviously, so the engine was impressive. What what sort of what sort of numbers is it turning out? I mean. Were you impressed with the horsepower and the torque on it? Yeah, so the numbers that they're reporting is 150 horsepower. They're not telling you where it's made in the RPM band, but 150 horsepower, 90 foot-pounds of torque, um, a 9,500 RPM redline, and a 13 to 1 compression ratio. So those are pretty impressive stats. Wow, and a 45-degree and a V-twin. I believe it's a 60-degree. 60-degree V-twin. I think it's a 60 degree because uh, I think it's 30 degree uh, journal offset on the rods, a 90 degree firing order, and the 60 degree. Sounds like 60 degrees to me. Yeah. So I remember 30, 60, 90 is kind of how it's. Interesting. Interesting. My old um, Aprilia used to be a 60 degree V twin and it worked great. Yeah. It, it's an impressive engine. It's fairly compact. You know, one side of the bike is very kind of polished as far as. You know, the engine is, is not as raw. You look at the other side of the bike and you can kind of see the, the spark plug wires and it's a little bit more chopped, if you will, from a chopper perspective. So it's really kind of that asymmetric. I know BMW did that on their sport bikes, right? It kind of had an asymmetric headlight, for example, or something. I like that aspect of this bike. It has two different sides to it. So presumably like a typical, you know, Harley bagger, it weighs what, like 870 pounds or something? So so that, again, you know, my expectations going into this was this was going to be, you know, just a huge titanic piece of steel. Right. It, it, it's coming in less than the BMW GS. Whoa. So I think that they are under 550 pounds. I think it's 534 pounds. The way that we tested it, I believe, was at 559 with some of the different uh, skid plates and other, um, you know, other accoutrements added to it. But um, it is right in there. It is not the heavy uh, Harley Davidson that I was kind of expecting. And that was part of their engineering ethos or else they never would have gotten it down to that number. Sure. Of course. So yeah, weight was a big thing in their engineering process. So this is, so this is a real ADV bike that has a Harley badge on it. It's a real ADV bike with a Harley badge on it. So it is, that's what's really impressive. Uh, and you can ride it like a real ADV bike. You can take it off road. 
know, you're I'm railing around corners. I'm jumping it and getting a couple feet of air and spinning up the back tire with 150 horsepower. You will never get traction by any <laughs> with <the> rubber <laughs> available on the market. So we were using Anarchy uh, Wild full knobby block tires for the second day in the dirt. There's different, you know, getting back to the electronics, there's all the different electronic modes in there. Uh, my favorite mode for off-road was Off-Road Plus, uh, which disabled the rear ABS, but kept the front ABS enabled. Um, and then I turned the traction control off. Even with Off-Road Plus, the amount of intervention on the traction control was just a little bit too much for, for my liking. And uh, with traction control off, the slides are very predictable and the bike is still really predictable. So it's not really going to step out um, from that from that perspective. So presumably a 19 inch front or 21 inch front? So it's a 19 front, 17 rear. So again, very similar to the other large, you know, kind of traveling dirt okay. BMW and Triumph. So this is a, a straight competitor to the new Multistrada then? It is. The new Ducati Multistrada. It is, yeah. Oh, that is so cool. What about suspension for this thing? Yeah, it's a 47 millimeter uh, front forks, which aren't small. Um, I think some of the, uh, I think KTM uses a 48. Uh, but 47 millimeter uh, show up front suspension, semi-active. Again, we tested the um, Pan America special model, not the base model. So the special model has all of these different add-ons as far as the semi-active suspension. Um, the suspension worked great. The, the killer app though, that I mentioned before is this auto ride height. And so what that means is you never have to worry about um, shock preload or front suspension preload, which is a big deal on an adventure bike because your sag, the level of sag when you're riding off-road really dictates the attitude of the bike. So it is always set dynamically at 30% of travel. And that's irrespective of what weight you have on there and auto adjust. If you have a passenger, auto adjust. If you've got loaded bags and auto adjust. But the thing and for me with the 29 inch inseam, what it also does is as you slow down, the bike lowers like a land speeder from Star Wars. It literally lowers to the ground. So now you can have both feet planted at a stop sign or on the trail and not have to worry about tipping over your big, tall adventure bike. Really a killer app. So to get that from North American engineers and not from Germany or not from Japan or Austria is a pretty big deal, I think. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. Good for them. Mm -hmm. what's, mm -hmm. the, what's the sort of general build quality like? I mean, is it is it pretty... Is it well done? I think so. So um, I never threw it down the road, but of course, fellow journalists uh, did that. Um, so I was able to look at some of the uh, <laughs> some of the aftermath. I think it held up pretty well from the crashes that I saw. One weak part, I think, maybe um, uh, what we call you know the triple clamps and motocross, as far as um, how the handlebars are mounted onto the forks. Those risers are pretty tall. I think that could be a potential weak point. I could see aftermarket coming in and and uh, creating some risers that are stronger with a little less flex. I used, with, with me being 5.9, five, five, I used the, the standard risers in the standard setting and it was fine. I didn't feel too much flex. In fact, I thought it was pretty rigid. Um, one thing with poor build quality I, is that you typically have all of this wonky flex in the frame and in the handlebars. I didn't get that at all. It felt really firm, felt rigid. The engine is a stress member of the frame. So I think how it's designed is solid. I don't know about the longevity. We never, you know, a lot of times when you have really thin engine castings, when you're trying to save weight, you know, you can lay it over, you hit a branch and now you're leaking oil all over the place. I didn't see any of that. Um, so I think the build quality is fairly high. Awesome. 
what about, <clears throat> I mean, comfort? Is this thing a sort of a viable long distance tourer? Got to be by the sound of it. First off, I think from a comfort perspective, Harley Davidson being the second or third advantage here, they've been able to look at at all of the different complaints across all of the other adventure bikes, you know, over the past 10 years. So uh, height is a big deal. So they have three different seat models that you can add and each seat setting, the frame has a high and low. So literally there are six different levels that cover, I think four different inches uh, as far as uh, seat height. Comfort for me with my arms on the handlebars um, was just, just about there, I have the seat in the standard position, standard seat, high position. And with my five foot nine frame, I felt the bars were comfortable, uh, comfortable in standing and sitting position. The big comfort difference, you know, for me, I'm always, when I'm riding a Harley, I'm thinking of a rubber mounted vibration engine that's just thumping, especially at stop signs. This is counterbalanced, of course. So there's uh, two different balancers in the engine. So the vibration is almost nil. In fact, I think they kind of added some vibration into it to give you kind of that lively feel. So it's not too, too balanced, if you will. So the comfort's right there for, um, for a sport touring, you know, you're hitting speed. So, you know, when you're on the tarmac and you're kind of in mental sport touring mode, the one-handed windscreen, mechanical windscreen was really easy to manipulate. So even in the high position and for the second day, I had an off-road helmet on with a, with a long visor. It still was really comfortable with the, uh, with how the wind and the buffeting uh, worked out. Awesome. It sounds, it sounds great. So was there anything that you felt that, you know, they could do with tweaking or improving or. Yeah, I was thinking about that because I would never trust anyone that only is the harbinger of good news, <laughs> right? There has to be something in there it doesn't doesn't necessarily have to spoil the bike you know i mean but but there's always there's always something where they, yeah i'd like to have seen i think that, yeah in my mind i was i look at performance first function and i think comfortable comfortability third um so from a performance perspective if you leave it in the adventure category i can't really find too many things to complain about if i want more performance i'm starting to now look at the rally bike and that's not what this is this is not a rally bike this is an adventure bike that's made for uh, on off-road adventure with luggage to up it's not about you racing this you know solo through the desert you can still do that on this bike but then it, you'd want to make a lot of changes to it so on my list of things that i did not like it's pretty small I don't like the rear brake lever. Um, it's adjustable, but the variation is, is not really there. And a lot of times for off-road, you want to have a high brake lever when you're seated and a low brake lever when you're standing just for the angle of your foot. And changing that doesn't really work. I would ditch that and get an aftermarket. Sure. Yeah, foot pegs were too narrow, I think. Um, but of course, Harley has an aftermarket, which is wider foot pegs. So you could have put those on. Right. Right. Easy fixes. Easy fixes. Yeah. So, you know, 10 years from now, is that semi-active suspension? Are those valves going to be turning at the bottom of the forks and changing it the way that it does when it's new? I don't know. Yeah, no, that's great. So with the semi-active suspension, you were putting it into just like a sort of a dynamic mode and then and just allowing it to, and presumably you had several choices between super rough terrain and smooth tarmac or something yeah so it's got it's got the rain mode which softens everything and uh softens the engine as well um there is a let me think it was rain road sport and i had it in road and sport anytime i was on um the pavement and then there's an off-road and then the off-road plus and then you can create two custom maps 
And those custom maps can be based off of any of those standard ones, but then you can go in and change the level of ABS, the level of traction control, the level of that ride height, that the killer app, the adjustable ride height. You can have the ride height so that it um, kicks in after being stopped for three seconds or 10 seconds. So literally it is like the Star Wars land speeder lowering itself to the ground. And you can, you can add that into your custom, your custom app. If I had a complaint, I would really want to see more gradation, I guess, gradual adjustments for traction control. I'd love to have, you know, a one or two out of a 10. So it's really just lightly intrusive. Um, yeah, like I mentioned, I think that I just kind of preferred to have it all the way off. In these days, you know, there's some pretty good traction control systems out there that still allow you to to have a ton of fun in the dirt and just have a little bit of assistance. What were the, uh, how did they handle the brakes? Did they go to the sort of the typical Brembo's that everybody else has or? Yeah, typical Brembo's. Um, the ABS portion is really good though. So um, in the photo shoots, especially on the desert and you got 150 horsepower and a big wide knobby tire, you can get to light speed in the dirt pretty fast. <laughs> but slowing down that 560 pounds and all of your weight and everything else is a whole other issue. Um, but with the ABS on the dirt in the, uh, on the front, because the rear is turned off, you can really get on the binders and it, it felt natural. It didn't feel like too numb in the, uh, at the lever on the front and really positive feel. So I was really impressed with the brakes. I was impressed to the point where I didn't notice them. They never held me back. Uh, we also did a really windy piece of uh, tarmac called Bodfish Caliente. It goes up into uh, up into the mountains. I'm sure you're I know it well. Leads all the way to Isabella. Leads all the way to Isabella. Yeah. And love that road. Really love that road. Love, lovely road. Some bumps and some pretty bad terrain. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah, you try taking that thing on a jigs a thousand. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and you've got a bunch of bovine excrement to deal with at times. There's some wild, there's some wild cards on that road, uh, yeah. but spirited. And this is not with knobbies now, so this would be more with eighty twenty adventure tires at this point. I think that, uh, gosh, I'd have to look. Michelin made these tires in conjunction with with Harley Davidson, but they're an eighty twenty tire. Uh, I think they call it the the scorcher. Um, it was absolutely fun on those roads. And that's when you're really getting into the braking because now you've got all that traction that you don't have in the dirt and the brakes were lovely. They're really fine. And it's a linked braking system. So unless you have, unless you're in off-road mode, all you really need to do is use the front and it'll auto apply the back. Um, awesome. So it just makes it easy and fun. Sure, sure. Did it have any, uh, any niceties like cruise control or any of that stuff? Yeah, so that's, uh, again, you know, expectations uh, were exceeded because it had all of the niceties. It had the heated grips, you know, one, two, three le le uh, levels of heated grips. It had the cruise control with, you know, the bump up and bump down to just kind of adjust it to, you know, if you're in a pack to make sure that you're adjusting the rider ahead of you or the traffic ahead of you so you can kind of be hands-free. Um, the TFT display and uh, it was really nice. Of course, it has Bluetooth integration. It has not a lighter attachment, but a USB-C wow. connection, which is pretty forward thinking, you know, for all of our electronic stuff these days, which was uh, pretty cool. Um, I think someone counted there's something like 28 buttons if you look across both 
sides of the handlebar. So there's a lot of stuff there. Obviously, you can uh, control music with your phone um, and all of that stuff. There's the Harley Davidson app, app that they have for mapping and touring and all of that. Uh, what I liked was just the configurable widget, so I could see, you know, which uh, yeah, I could see the data fields that I really wanted to see that were were bright. You could have it a, a white or back a white um, display or a black display. Um, and the white was great for me, especially in dusty conditions. I could see it fine, even through, you know, tinted and polarized glasses and visor. So, um, yeah, it was comfortable and had all of those kind of accoutrements that you kind of expect from, you know, from this segment, at least by now. Right. Sure. Sure. That's awesome. It really sounds like, it sounds like they really put some thought into this thing. They didn't just go, oh, here's, here's a bandwagon. Let's jump on it. Right you know, let's actually put some real thought. If we're going to do this, let's do it properly. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I, again, that's, I think, part of the exceeding expectations, you know, with um, with the engine, the performance in the engine, the variable valve timing, high-tech engine. Oh, also adjustable hydraulic lifters. So you don't have to do, there's zero valve maintenance. Uh, so from a, wow. yeah, from a maintenance perspective, it's just changing the oil and filter every 5,000 miles and the air filter when it's dirty. Um, yeah, and actually on the trail, gear shift assistant. So they were tight-lipped about shift assistance, uh, so to the point where it sounds like it's coming. They're just not saying yes. <laughs> yeah, it has a cable actuated clutch, but there is some assistance just to the clutch feel. Um, on the first bike that I tested, it had very low miles. Uh, the clutch worked perfectly. The second bike that I tested off-road had a lot of miles and the shifting was a bit notchy. I think someone really burned that clutch and felt like the, the discs were a little uh, little warped, wouldn't really go into neutral with the engine running. You, you can't trust those damn journalists. That's the trouble. You can't trust us. Well, what's worse, like, <laughs> can't trust the yeah, what's worse, I think the dealers were before us. So that's a double whammy. You got dealers and journalists. <laughs> right. <laughs> Good. Uh, you know, that's that's absolutely awesome. What what sort of uh, gear were you wearing on this? Were you wearing full adventure gear or? Yeah. So uh, Alpine Stars um, hooked us up with some really uh, great adventure gear. Uh, it was 90 plus degrees in the Mojave Desert, which um, is a little hot for this time of year uh in april but unzipped all the liners had all the vents open um so alpine star adventure boots adventure gear perfect so what kind of helmet were you wearing so for uh for the first day which is on and off road i wore the showy hornet which is um a dual sport kind of adventure helmet with a flip-up visor really lightweight and really vented well but has some of that sound deadening that you need for long stretches of tarmac so that was fantastic the second day was all off-road, so I actually wore my showy VFX uh, Evo motocross helmet, which I'm glad I did because it was 90-plus degrees. You need goggles as well. Goggles work really easy with a motocross helmet, not as easy with a dual-sport adventure helmet. Um, so we were really covered there. Hey, thanks a lot, man. That sounds great. It sounds like the bike is an absolute blast. And uh, Yeah, it is a blast. It sounds like a... Sounds like Harley may just have hit the home run. I think they did. And again, I think that Harley, my fear was that Harley was going to just really try to stick to their base and just create something that looked like an adventure bike and had the pedigree, the at least the uh, aesthetic pedigree of Harley. Um, and they went absolutely future forward. Not only did they, you know, compete with the best in the segment, but they came out with um, what I, you know, that killer app, that auto ride adjustment uh, that no other bike has. 
So um, kudos to them, pretty impressed. And this is a North American product. So, um, you know, engines are made in Wisconsin and they're assembled with frames in York, Pennsylvania. I mean, this is kind of as down home as it gets. Okay, so I hope that you enjoyed listening to, uh, to Jess McKinley about the Harley-Davidson Pan America. For the second segment, I had the opportunity to chat with our very own website editor, Ron Lieback, um, on his impressions on the Indian FTR 1200. So let's talk about the Indian FTR 1200. I mean, you went to the launch. Where, where was it? It was in Arizona, I believe. Yeah, right outside of Phoenix. I mean, we stayed downtown Phoenix, but we actually rode out to uh, Tortilla Flats, which is uh, Route 88, the only twisty road, I think, in all of Arizona or that section of it. But uh, <laughs> it felt eerily similar to Southern Span Spain roads. So it was, it was nice. I mean, it was a lot of decreasing radius turns and they opened up and then it was just, you know, left, right, left, right, left, right. So. And, and good, good quality, good quality tarmac. I mean, the asphalt was good and traffic was light. I see. Tra traffic was very light, especially in the morning. And uh, the, the actual pavement, it, it seemed like it was brand new and the tarmac was just very, very sticky. So there was a little bit of sandy spots just because at the end of the day, all that Arizona winds came through and just like, puffed everything out but uh overall i mean the, the roads were actually very impressive very impressive oh good good so i guess the big question is is indian is known for cruises and, and, and is it a sport bike that's what i'm taking it as like uh the new american upright sport bike because they took basically the whole flat track style and that beautiful nostalgic look and just turned it into an actual upright sport bike machine and the biggest Biggest cause of that is switching over to the 17-inch wheels because I don't know if you rode the old FTR, but those, that 1918 setup is fun to back it in on the street. But it's it's more of a it looks cool, rides pretty cool, but you know you got to really work on it. With this thing with the 17s, I mean you're just you know you're on it and it's it feels like a normal standard upright sport bike. So the big change for this year then is going to the 17-inch wheels. Yeah, yeah, that's by far the biggest change and the suspension. They actually dropped it. Uh, it used to be 5.9 inches on the old FTR, and now they dropped it down to 4.7 for both front, front and rear. And this is on the S model that I mostly test. So the base model and the F model have the regular sack suspension, but the lower lower uh, suspension, like the 4.7 inches, totally changes the handling, the agility of the bike. And that also, uh, it was actually a shortened trail and a shortened rake or a steeper rake. So, I mean, the agility of bike versus riding the old FTR, it wasn't like, you know, you're all over with the thing and having a blast, like I said, but at the same time, at the end of the day, you can't be a hooligan 24 seven, you know, <laughs> or you can, but. <laughs> so obviously the 17 inch wheels. So you get a choice of, so now you've got a choice of sticky rubber. Um, there is, I mean, every, we all know this. So what tires does it come with? That uh, Metzler Sport Tech's on it actually so oh nice like the m not the m7 rrs was it uh the m9 rr i actually tested those last year in spain which i love but they weren't on this there's just a regular sport tech so i actually uh reached out to Andy and asked them because i said if you actually put the m9 rrs on this it would be even fiercer so i mean it, it was pretty good but i mean uh, the rubber worked for the, the actual chassis of the bike so 
Excellent, excellent. What's what's the ground clearance on it like? I mean, can you take advantage of the rubber, or are you just scraping everything as you're going around? Not scraping a thing. So that's that's the thing. I mean, you could if you want without the proper like. I actually sat upright totally for a few longer corners, and it took some massive lean angle to actually hit. But if you're actually you know using proper body language and uh, actually getting off the bike a little bit, not a not a problem at all. Just like feel it, it feels like a Japanese sport upright sport bike. So with that twin character. Though. Wow, that, that's, that's quite a compliment. For some reason, I sort of have it in my mind. It's almost like the old Tuono, okay. the pre-V4 Tuono. I don't know if you ever rode one of those, but like the Melee-engined, you know, Tuono is the original sort of upright sport bike. So it sounds like the FTR is, is more related to something like that. Yeah, yeah, I'd give it that. But I mean, I think it's all, it feels a lot like... <laughs> I don't even know how to say this without blowing that by because I mean the new Tuono is obviously ungodly amazingly like it's just such a beautiful motorcycle, but uh, right for this one it's it it does have that but it still has this uh, that that American V twin character, and you know that that's where it's the the beauty of it comes in because you still have that very nice low RPM rumble where you could just get on it mid corner or even if you're just cruising on the highway. And, you know, that twin just character just talks to it, like from like two grand all the way up to like 7,000 RPMs. It's like, a, it's a typical American V twin, the way I felt it. So nice. So what sort of motor is it using? I mean, obviously we know it's a twin, but, but what can you give us some detail on the natural motor? Yeah, just that 1203cc twin. And it has 120 horsepower, which is actually down three horsepower from the, the previous FTR and 87 foot pounds of torque which you, you can feel it again. It's, it's a nice, it's a nice, it's throughout the range too. So it's not like, you know, you don't just get stuck with everything down low or up top. It's a, it's as a nice even flow through everything. And the beauty of the character, the engine is on the highways or in town, you could use it all. And then when you're on the twisties, I'm a short shifter type of guy sometimes, but you know, other times I just want to like bang gears and keep the revs up. So this bike, you have to short shift. So you could be a little lazier on the transmission and just let the bike do the work. Well, and this, with the revamped suspension, you can actually allow the bike to do the work without having any issues. You know, I'm feeling comfortable and confident. Nice. That's got to be great on the street. I mean, you know, it's, it's fun. Like you say, staying in a fairly tall gear on a relatively fast twisty road, and you've still got plenty of power, plenty of acceleration coming out of corners. Mm-hmm. You don't have to drop down a gear all the time. You can just sort of focus on the riding. Yeah. And that's that's really what you were feeling? Yes. Yeah, where if I was on like, uh, just say like a, a GSX-R1000 or uh, the, the, the upright, you know, I'd be, I'd be like with probably between fourth and third constantly on these roads, the way they're like really tight and like the corner and stuff. Where this bike, I was just able to keep it in third most of the time and just you know, let it rev down and then float up, rev down, float up. And no matter what, I didn't have to worry about it. And then when you pin it, I mean, it, it moves in that mid range and just gets right up to the top of the, the gear. And then when you shift, it's, it's, it's a great power band. What's it, what's it redlined at? It's going to be pretty high up there. 7,750 RPM is what they say. So, I mean, I was bouncing it up around eight over, over a little bit, like, especially when we we're getting on the faster sections, but you know, it, it, it handled perfect. I mean, Obviously, we pushed it a little bit more than, you know, it needed to be pushed, but it, it did not provide any complaints on that. I did lose the rear twice and with the traction control because it has three rider modes. So it has like a standard, a rain and a sport. And there were some really sandy sections at the end of 88 where uh, we did a photo shoot 
And I was going up this left-hand bank turn and like, you know, I was just playing with the bike and just, I tried not to set the chassis to see how it felt. And at one point I got on the throttle like really hard and smacked it out. Like if it was the older bike, probably would have had a lot more fun sliding it. It was controlled, but that I've just felt the ABS have stepped the probably about a foot rear tire stepped out and then it just steadied up and the suspension stayed even and it just allowed me to control the bike right through the corner. And so you could just hold it on the traction control like that? Basically, yeah. <laughs> in sport. Wow. So if you, wow, that, that's impressive. If you had it in standard mode, it would have been a lot easier. You probably wouldn't have slid. But in sport mode, it gives you a little bit of play way, you know, so it's pretty good. So is the difference between sport and standard, is that just more aggressive response or is it more power as well? Uh, more aggressive response. The power remains the same across all three, but you could totally tell the difference. Even when uh, they have like wheelie control on the bike. So when you're in standard mode, like you pot try like clutching it up in second gear and it'll just like blah, 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 bog out on you. Where in sport mode, you could full 12 o'clock if you want all day. <laughs> so it's, 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 it's impressive how much... They give you a lot of lead way with the sport mode. Was was the traction control linked to linked to the power modes, or could you independently control it and, and even turn it off? It's all linked, but you can't turn it off very easily. It's just right on the LC. It's a four point three inch LCD gauge screen, and you just a little toggle switch on the right, uh, like by your throttle. I think I you use your index finger or slide it down, and then all it is you press a button traction control off and just shut the throttle and it's off. And you can do the same with the modes while you're riding, as long as you close the throttle to get them to turn off, turn off or on. Nice, nice. Yeah. So was the engine pretty smooth or did it vibrate a lot? Yeah, very smooth. Even we, it took about, I don't know how many miles, but it felt like we were on, a, uh, I think that's a 202 uh, in Phoenix, but long, long stretch of highway that we had to take out. And you know how boring it is, it's, it's just straight roads. And we were cruising probably just around like 89, 90 miles per hour. And the RPMs were, I think I was around like 35, four grand. And it, the engine didn't produce that much vibration there. When you got a little bit on the top, it was like annoying after, I'd say like 10 minutes of a little bit higher speeds. But, uh, you know, the, the normal average speed, you couldn't, it wasn't like, uh, but the vibrations weren't bad at all. And when you're in town, nothing nothing the, the bottom end smooth so oh, that's awesome so is the is this the engine out of the out of the scout it's or is it just a completely separate engine it's a separate engine they use the same i think the the stroke is different that's it but i think it has the same bore so it's just a different character that they use for the ftr so nice that's very smart smart engineering by the sound of it mm -hmm. yeah that's that's great because the scout is a really nice motor i mean it's, it's i really enjoyed riding that yeah Excellent, excellent. So, what was the uh, what was the chassis like? The chassis. I mean, it sounds like the handling was pretty good, but what was the suspension like? Is it adjustable? Is it relatively high end? Or is, I mean, what, what what's the story on that? Well, on the S model and the base model, like I said, I spent ninety nine percent of the day on the S model, and uh, it has sacks now, but it's fully adjustable. That's the new thing for this year. You could adjust everything, and I did have to immediately put a little bit more rebound in because the bike felt soft to me. So uh, that was what I did when I first got on the bike, like the first stop, like the first photo stop, which was only like a few miles away. I was like, eh, didn't feel right. And then after I did that, it was like a totally different bike. But um, they, it comes with sacks, fully adjustable compared to last year's FTR. And then the, the FTR-R, the carbon model, gets the old ones. So that's the bike that has it all in. The difference between wow, you, get Ol you can get Olin suspension on it. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the, the carbon R model or the R carbon. 
But uh, I only got a few miles on that and I can't wait to get my hands on one because that bike was night and day versus a sax. And like, and the sax was great. Like I'd buy, you know, if I, if I was in the market to buy this bike and I want to save myself like two grand or whatever it is, like I'd, I'd actually buy the one with the, the sax first, but. Yeah. And, and not feel like the poor relation. Yeah. But if you can afford to go to the Olins, then it's You're like, yeah. <laughs> <thing I'm... laughs> and you can't say no to that. Yeah. And it sure does look pretty. <laughs> That's really nice. So obviously it, uh, it turns in pretty quickly and, you know, it handles, it's like neutral handling, you don't find yourself flopping into corners or anything. Nope. Initially I did, like I said, until I put some more, uh, took some, put more rebound in, but, uh, it's, it, it was able to keep a steady line and like, you know, you're, you're coming into corners and like I said, I was short shipped and I was being lazy. I wasn't like, I'm usually like a kind of guy that loads the hell out of the front up, you know, gets to the corner and just like coming out like full blown. And they're like, the bike, it just, it, it was a good lazy bike to ride for, for what it's built for. So it, it was, a- it sounds like you could, you could, I mean, it's almost, it could certainly do duty as a sport tourer. I mean, you put some, you know, some Dalco luggage on it, some soft luggage or whatever it is. And it sounds like you could like cross the country on it. Yeah, you'd be able to. I mean, they do have ones, they had one spec out with like a tail bag and a windshield. But the problem is where the, I mean, the exhaust is gorgeous. And uh, S model I rode came with the Acropovic. So that was just even prettier. But you could only put a bag, I think, on the left side because of the way it's set up. So you'd probably have some issues with only a left bag and a tail bag on it. So, and, uh, right. But if you do use a tank bag, what is another really smart design is they put the filler cap like more towards your stomach. You know what I mean? So like when you're, you don't have to lift your tank bag up because I know a few of my friends are notorious for every time we fill up their bikes are spilling gas all over God's creation. Like the tank bag's too heavy and they're, you know, it's just like, so I'd say it's a really like just little things like that. were really, really uh, intuitive with design aspects and also like the controls, the gauges, like I said, it's just like a little right click. And then all of a sudden you can switch the screens on the bike and it's very easy. Like, it's not like you have to you know, fuddle around with everything. What was the gearbox like? Was it pretty smooth? Did it, did you get any kind of uh, quick shifter with it or anything? Nah, no, nah, it's a regular standard shifter. I mean, that's one thing, obviously I'll, I'll, us guys that get to ride all these, these fun bikes that like immediately I forgot about a clutch, you know, I'm like, oh shit, I forgot I got to use this again. And I like, so that took a little, you know, just like a, a mental, mental status thing, but uh it the gears the way they have them set up like six gear is really tall for the highways and you know first and second gear are great and then third third and fourth are just right in the pocket for everything for like the kind of cruising we were doing but yeah i mean having a, a regular clutch on it it yeah got used to it but it, it would be a much cooler bike with a you know a quick shifter on especially the, the carbon i mean if you're gonna go all the way with the olins you might as well just throw a quick shifter on <laughs> just a matter of time till the aftermarket comes up with that i'd say yeah, yeah, I'll be here. <laughs> is there anything else on it? I mean, was there, what was the sort of the overall build quality like? I mean, it's Polaris, so presumably pretty good, but. Yeah, yeah, it's typical Indian quality. I mean, it, you, even like the weld seams are, you know, it's, a, it's an attractive looking bike. There's not a lot of like cheap plastic pieces floating around. Like all the wires are totally wrapped. So you can't see like all the different colors like you could on a lot of bikes with the wire and harness. And uh, the, the other thing that actually I was pretty impressed with is the, the heat because my thighs used to soak. I mean, I only rode a FTR probably for about, I probably only had like a hundred miles on the rat, the, the previous model, but it was always that, that heat, especially on the, like the upper right thigh. And all they did for this bike was uh, just built different radiator, uh, the way the air comes in and it totally changed it off. And they do have a rear cylinder deactivation now too. So when you're in town, the rear cylinder, just like, you know, like most of the big cruisers have, 
So I, I really didn't tell the difference because it was only like, even for, I mean, it was like a high of like 76 degrees or 77, whatever. So I couldn't really compare that in town, but for the purist, like they, they kept talking a lot about like the purists that love the nostalgia of the, the original FTR. You could shut the, the rear cylinder deactivation off. So it's like, and that's another like simple click of a button. So, and that obviously manages the heat way better. It stops the rear cylinder overheating in town and just, and doesn't fry your, fry your thighs. Yeah. That's smart. I <laughs> yeah. like that. That's very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Okay. So overall, what was your impression of the bike? Really? I mean, I, I enjoyed it. You know, it's like, I felt it, honestly, when I first got on it, it felt almost like a monster to me for a little bit. And that, that was a weird feeling, you know, cause I'd been riding monsters all my life and I love them. And, you know, I mean, it's, it still doesn't have the full sport character, but it's, it's a very, very capable bike for all kinds of riders that either want to just, you know, have the cool looking factor, go downtown, bum around, you know, go meet your friends out, do whatever. And then if you want to get on, on the back roads, the bike is more than capable. And that's the one that's yes model with the, the sacks. I mean, if you're on the, the carbon model with the Olins, I mean, I would throw slicks on it and take it to a track, just to have some fun with it. You know, it's that capable. Wow. That's, so. that's really impressive. That's great. Um, what's, do you happen to know offhand what the price is on this? Uh, yeah, I have, uh, the FTRS is, uh, 14,999. So 15 grand and then an extra two grand gets you the FTR carbon and the base model is 13 grand. Okay. So it says right there. So it's right there. I mean, the price is relatively, yeah, it's in the pocket with everybody else. So, you know, it's just, it, it, these these guys they built great motorcycles you know the build quality on you know on, on all their bigger cruisers sure. and you know i rode all the scouts i i enjoyed them they're tremendously fun but this this is more of a you know it, it keeps the nostalgic feeling and the, the the really cool looks but it just makes all the modern sport bike you know comforts and confidence abilities that we want as riders you know for like the average person so so I think it's going right. to hit a little bit more of a bigger market versus just the scout who is just like, you know, the kind of like, I don't want to say that, but it's like the sportster crowd. You know what I mean? So you have that and then all the bigger, bigger Indians, you have all the, the, the cruisers. But this bike is, uh, you know, it's going to speak to a, a little bit of a different crowd. So especially when it's more performance oriented. Yeah, <clears throat> I know uh, lady riders are definitely going to ask, how tall is it? I mean, it, it, was it? you know i mean uh how tall are you could you could you flat foot on it yeah that's the thing they dropped the uh seat height actually this is another thing we should mention earlier they dropped the seat height down i think it was 1.4 inches so now it's 30.7 inches and it made a massive Ooh. difference because on the ftr it's it's you know i'm i'm almost six foot i'm like five eleven and a hair or whatever so, you know, when you're at a stop sign, like always just having a ball of foot down, you hit a little bit of gravel or anything. So this will cater to more riders. And I think they'll be more confident knowing that they're flat footed at stop signs or any kind of, you know, street lights or any time they're stopped. And there was a uh, one, there was one girl riding with us that she was, she wasn't that tall. And I even asked her and she had, she had no issues. She was able to like flat foot it herself. So she was probably like a, I'd say five, nine or five, eight. So it says a lot about it. That's great. Uh, and it's shaped correctly. Good, good. Um, and I guess lastly, what were the brakes like? Was there, presumably it's obviously full ABS. Yeah, full ABS, Brembo's. I mean, that's, it's, it was regular. Not, not, not linked though. They weren't nope. linked brakes or anything. No, nah, no. Nah, I, I was, 
I was using the fronts uh, aggressively throughout some cornering and then I did a few emergency stops in town, just so, you know, mock-ups, just to test the ABS and yeah, felt comfortable. The bike didn't chatter out or anything. And the rear brake, it was a little bit like, I'd probably have to adjust it because I was using it just to tighten the lines up and a lot of those decreasing radius turns. So, but besides that, that's it. But the one problem too with that is you can't shut the ABS off. So that's not, you know, like the traction control, it's a simple thing. And I, the first thing I asked, I'm like, well, how am I going to shut the ABS off? They're like, well, you can't. I was like, ah. <laughs> so I think I'm not, I'm not sure, but that might be like a Euro 5 thing. Probably, yeah. Um, where I think you're maybe not allowed to. And that's, I mean, that's fair enough. I mean, you know, even as a track day bike, I mean, you know, the only people that really want to turn ABS off are pure races on track. Yeah. And those guys have the level of skill where you literally, they don't even need it. It, it, it gets in their way. Um, and I guess off-road guys obviously don't like ABS, but um, but for normal street guys and occasional yes. track day guys, ABS is a good thing. Yeah, I've, I've used it several times, always not on purpose, always when I desperately needed it. And it's always saved me. Yeah. And uh, even once on track, it did. So bit off a little bit more than I could chew getting past a guy and I, <clears throat> I hit the suddenly realized I was coming in a little hot hit the brakes and suddenly I felt the old front lever pumping a bit and I was like oh you know I think I think that helped me out a bit there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> <Right>. yeah. <laughs> yeah we know that feeling all too well <laughs> yeah. but yeah the street I mean that, that the mock-ups I was doing I mean I was doing first I just did the front and it, you couldn't, like, it was, it, it just didn't even felt like it intervened, but right. you could tell you were stopping really quick. And then I just did the rear. And then when I hooked up both of them, like the bike was just, you know, just typical. Yeah. I mean, ABS came so long, you know, it just, it's such a great safety mechanism for, especially for newer riders. It really is. So Good. Okay. Well, terrific. Um, thank you very much. I think uh, it sounds like a, like an awesome machine that they've really, really evolved into something really good. So, uh, so yeah, kudos to Indian. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. They did a good job.